Ladies and gentlemen, for the thousands in attendance and for the millions watching at home, DCK Productions proudly brings to you the greatest podcast in the world! Come on. The greatest podcast in the world? Suck it. No, you suck it. No, you suck it. No, you suck it. No, you suck it. I appreciate it if you both suck it. Suck it! Welcome, everybody, to Suck It! I am the great and powerful prince of all that is awesome, king of kings. Derek, how the hell is everybody this evening? What a week it has been. I am glad it is Friday. Thank God it's Friday. But anyway, we have an action-packed, fun-filled Amazing show for you this evening. Um, Rodney Hicks, uh, one of the original cast members of Rent, um, and also did many other things on Broadway, and also the father on screen to Gigi, the, the girl we talked to last night, Jenna Harris. So he's on tonight, so that is fantastic. And as you guys know, tonight is the night for the big giveaway. You must be on twitch tonight is our last night on facebook so if you're watching us on facebook right now you are out of luck you need to go over to twitch create an account and comment on the live stream in order to be part of the contest if you don't then you're not eligible to win sorry it's my show i can do what i want <laughs> but anyway so come over to twitch um at dck productions um and then uh log in Comment, follow, and then at the end of the show, um, I will go ahead and put everybody into a randomizer, and we will go ahead and give away this awesome prize um, that I'm not going to show you right now because I've been showing away all week, but you know what it is. Um, the Perfect Package 3.0 from Manscaped, so I'm very, very excited to give that away. But again, this is also the last night on Facebook after tonight. We are exclusive to Twitch um, live only. So if you don't want to watch us on Twitch, then you're going to have to wait until the next day for the podcast. But we're available everywhere podcasts are found as well. But without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and bring on our guests. But first, I'm going to go ahead and uh, um, again, like I did last night, play the trailer for um, uh, Mighty Oak. Um, and then I will also go ahead and uh, show a little snippet of our guest from Rent. Um, took me a lot of uh, digging and diving, but I found a really good clip of him on YouTube that I want to go ahead and share with you guys. Um, but first, let's go ahead and get right to the, uh, the trailer for Mighty Oak. Ladies and gentlemen, Army of Love. Hey. Up from things we are the opening act for Arcade Fire. <laughs> the past. Morning, Mr. Biggs. Thanks for the guitar. 
This stand's amazing. Who's that? A new tenant upstairs. You writing a lot of songs? I actually wrote a song yesterday. You did? It's about it not being easy growing up. I hear your uh, friend's got some uh, sick skills. Sure does. <laughs> I'm Gina. Oh, you uh, know anything about the man who owned that tailor? Bone Jackson, lead singer of Army of Love. Your sister, right? That him? Do you believe in reincarnation? What if we were all meant to be together? You, me, Vaughn, the band, just in a different way, in a different time. Is that so crazy? Are you guys ready to meet your new frontman? Oh my god. It's Army of Love. Woo! Yeah! You were meant to be a part of this family. Where did you find this kid? I didn't. He found me. That oak. How's you looking fine as hell? You brown sugar piece of candy. Um, I said this last night. And I'll say it again. This movie looks fantastic. I mean, um, the uh, the premise behind it is very interesting and different, and I'm so stoked to watch it on Tuesday. Um, so let's go ahead and uh, do one more little clip here of um our guest on Broadway um singing one of the songs on uh, Rent. Um, and uh, then we'll bring them on and have a great conversation. So give me one more minute and we'll get back to it. Joy to the world. Hey, your mom, can't you move over? Get your ass off that Range Rover. That attitude toward the homeless is exactly what Maureen is protesting tonight. Close up. Our ex-roommate, Benjamin Coffin III, who married Allison Gray of the Westport Grays, then bought our building and the lot next door from his father-in-law in hopes of starting a cyber studio. Maureen is protesting, losing her performance space, not my attitude. <laughs> What's happened to Benny? What happened to his heart and the ideals he once pursued? <laughs> Any owner of that lot next door has the right to do with it as he pleases. Happy birthday, Jesus. <laughs> the rent. You're wasting your time. We're broke. And you broke your word. This is absurd. There is one way you won't have to pay. I do it. Next door, the home of cyberocracy. And now that the block is rezoned, our dream can become a reality. You'll see boys. You'll see A state-of-the-art digital virtual interactive studio. I'll forgo your rent and on paper guarantee that you can stay here for free. If you do me one small favor, what? Convince Maureen to cancel her protest. Why not just get an injunction or call the cops? <laughs> I did, and they're on standby. But my investors would rather I handle this quietly. You can't quietly wipe out an entire tent city than watch It's a Wonderful Life on TV. You want to produce films? Write songs. You need somewhere to do it. It's what we used to dream about. Think twice before you poop with. You'll see. Boys. You'll see. Boys. You'll see the beauty of a studio that lets us do our work and get paid. With condos on the 
the top. Whose rent keeps open out shop? Just stop the protest, and you'll have it made. You'll see, or you'll pack. That boy could use some Prozac. Or heavy drugs. Or group hugs. Which reminds me, we have a detour to make tonight. Anyone who wants to can come along. Life supports a group of people coping with life. We don't have to stay too long. First, I've got a protest to save. Pleasure. I'm not much company you'll find. Behave. He'll catch up later. He's just got other things on his mind. We'll see, boys. We'll see, boys. Let it be, boys. I like boys. Boys like me. We'll see. And so into the abyss. I cannot wait to talk to this gentleman. Um, please welcome to the show, Rodney Hicks. Hey, man. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Fantastic. What was it like watching that? Have you watched that clip before? I haven't watched that in a long time, but I also want to say thank you so much, Derek, for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank hey, you. no, it's my pleasure. I mean, to have someone of your stature um, on the show with me right now is is an honor on you know on my behalf. So thank you. Um, so let's get right to it. Um, so you had a, you've had a hell of a career. I mean, so much Broadway, um, you've dabbled in television. Now you've got this great movie coming out with a great ensemble cast. Um, how do you feel, um, up to this point? I mean, how do you feel about where you're at right now today? You know, thank you for asking that. Um, and for saying all of those things, I, feel one word grateful um and i know that's used a lot um and but it's true you know um i feel incredibly grateful to be standing in the world today uh with a heart filled with love and um you know as cynical as the world is uh i i just um that's just been my journey over the past six years actually and um I'm happy to be standing in that today. So I feel really good that uh, this movie's coming out um, and I feel really good uh, about where I'm at in my life now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so last night when I had uh, Gianna on, um, who plays your daughter in the um, movie, um, she plays Emma. Hello. Um, her and I got curious and we looked on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. And we looked through the comments and we looked at the scores. Are you guys aware that right now your viewer score is actually an audience score of a 94%? Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. That's Isn't that crazy? Well, it, it, it's beautiful, especially knowing that, you know, we filmed this movie in 12 days. We Are know. you serious? Yes, we filmed it in 12 days. And it was one of the most beautiful experiences uh and times it, it, it was it was hard hard work but we we just all bonded so quickly as an ensemble um not just the actors but also the crew you know and it was really led by our director sean mcnamara you know he set that tone and we all just uh we did it man and we made it happen and uh, i'm just so excited that paramount picked it up and so excited that uh, more people can see this beautiful, heartwarming film 
uh, and a time of such great chaos in our world. I think it'll be a beautiful bomb. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, yeah, some of the comments were just uh, heartwarming when I was reading them last night on uh, with her and she just lit up. And by uh, the way, I just want to go ahead and say, when I was playing those two clips, you know, of the, the trailer and then of Rent, to watch your face in the green room, man, you just you were just lighting up like, wow. I can't believe that was – you had that look of a, of a five-year-old child on the day before Christmas going, I can't believe this is real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, Every day I'm like that, actually. I wake up and I'm like, wow, this is actually happening. And, and, it, and it feels really good, you know? It really does. I, I, yeah. Yeah, spending my – I'm 46 years old, you know, and spending my career – my, my first professional job was when I was 17 you know, on Dance Party USA. So, on the USA Network, um, you know, 1992. So, it, and then, you know, four years later, I'm in Rent, uh, you know. And so it, it just, you know, at 46 to have lasted this long, you know, in this career, uh, and to now have my first feature film debut at 46 years old, um, uh, you know, in a movie that's about reincarnation, that's about hope, that's about faith, that's about chosen family, you know, and about mentorship as well, and about reclaiming your life after trauma um, as well. I, I think it makes complete sense, and I'm just grateful, man. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an, it, it, the, the movie itself just looks amazing, and I cannot wait to watch it on Tuesday when it comes out. I really on, enjoy it. I really it released on digital. Um, yeah, I've, I've got it ready to go on Amazon as soon as I can. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, actually, to be totally honest with you, so um, I have a best friend who is a pansexual, and Rent is her favorite Broadway film, I mean, Broadway uh, you know, play of all time. Um, and when she found out you were going to be on the show tonight, she was like, I'm coming over. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, whatever, you can be part of the show. And she's like, and then she goes, then she calls me back and she goes, shit, I got a date. <laughs> so she was actually pondering, do I do I talk to Rodney or do I go on this date? And she What's was her name? Yeah. her name is Jerry. Jerry? Yeah. Jerry, I hope that you are having an amazing date. And I just <laughs> want to say hello. And um, hi. Hi, Jerry. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she was uh she was pretty stoked, but um, she was really, she's happy that you're on and she's happy that you're here. So, um, so talk about your start in Broadway. I mean, so you started on dance party USA. So right. how did you end up in that four year period? I mean, what was your path to get to Broadway? Oh, that's that, cool. oh, and then was that always your goal? You know, what's funny. I am one of those people where that was always my goal. <laughs> um, I, you know, in order to do those four years, you know, I can go a little back is that this is all I ever wanted to do since I was seven years old, truly. And uh, every single day, anyone who's ever went to school with me will know that, uh, will say that this is all he's ever wanted to do, uh, was be in this uh, art industry. And not just as an actor, but everything, writer, everything. Um, and basically, uh, I graduated high school and then had a bit of time. Uh, I left my dad's house went to stay with my mother for about a couple of weeks until I realized, okay, I'm good. <laughs> and um, then I, I went to college early. They let me in early. And, um, you know, I was there for two years, Mansfield University. And it was there, you know, I, my classes were great. I, okay. I was someone who 
all teachers always said I had the potential to be an A student, but I, my classroom was, I would cut class. I was that person who cut class to go and be in the band room (laughs) 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 or go over my lines, like, or be, I'm in the library, just like listening to show albums or preparing for that school show or something. And in college, I was actually writing, producing, and directing uh, two student films and like, you know, uh, a play that I wrote and that was, and then being in the plays, that was like my life. And I went to class, of course, but um, I did enough to pass. But my goal and dream uh, was, I was in the editing room and I was in the rehearsal room. And after two years, um, we were doing Big River and my college theater professor, Mike Crum, he said to me, what are you doing here? <laughs> and, and I said, I, I wanna be in New York. I was in a beautiful college in Northeast Pennsylvania, upstate Northeast Pennsylvania in beautiful mountains, but I wanted to be in the city doing it. Uh, because also in my senior year of high school, uh, I was asked to screen test for the movie Newsies. Uh, and my dad actually did not want me to go down and fulfill all of that after the auditions. So there was a lot of um, proving of like, I'm going to do this, you know? And so I left school after two years and uh, I was fortunate. And I, I, you know, I was 20 years old and I got my first show that was at the Apollo Theater and Bring in the Morning a Wake Up Call. And uh, I was playing opposite Lauren Hill uh, from the Fugees and she yep. just came off of Sister Act 2. And, uh, I had just came out of college, not even, I was should have still been in college. So I was green, green, green. And, but I was happy to be in the room. And uh, then that led to me staying in a hostel actually during that time, because my uh, dad did not want me to be in the performing arts and thought, why are you leaving school? Um, and I was in a hostel uh, while I was rehearsing and then uh, the show closed and I went back to stay with my grandparents in South Jersey and, and auditioning while I was there. And then 1995, I moved back to New York and the end of 94 and 95, I just hit the pavement, met Jonathan Larson uh, doing a show of his called Blocks. And that's where I met uh, Anthony Rapp and Yasmeen Ehlers, uh, who were also part of the original company. Uh, Yasmin was original uh, standby. And Anthony, of course, you know, Mark. Uh, and so that was when I first met Jonathan as well and uh, became friends with him. And then I, as you know, uh, Broadway and theater ha- has it, our paths came back again later that year when I was called in to audition for uh, Rent. Uh, and I was in Paris and Germany at the time doing a show, Ceiling Sky, that was the same casting director, Bernie Telsey. And so um, I was called in. And if I may, I can share a brief, funny story uh, about audition don'ts. <laughs> the floor <laughs> but, is yours, man. Go right ahead. ahead. But it, it worked for me. But um, but I also believe that had I finished the two years of college, I probably would not have done what I did. So I share this now. Um, I went into the audition. The audition breakdown had said, uh, they're looking for people in their mid to late 20s. 
I was 20. I just turned 21 that year and I didn't look like I was 21. So I had to, and I couldn't grow facial hair at the time. So I thought I'm going to pencil this in, you know, <laughs> you know, so I penciled in a full goatee and, you know, not realizing how off that would look. And, uh, so Jesse Martin was the first person that I met. Uh, we were auditioning at the same day. And I could tell that he knew that I painted it on, but but was polite enough not to say anything. And uh, then I went and auditioned and uh, I sang the wrong song, absolutely wrong song for the show. I sang This Is The Moment from Jekyll and Hyde. And it's very, you know, contemporary uh, musical theater. And uh, at the time we didn't know what rent was really, um, or the sound. So then saying that, and I was asked to, hey, do you have anything that's a little more uh, pop R&B? And I said, yeah, I, I know uh, Jeffrey Osborne's On the Wings of Love. So I didn't have the sheet music, Unprepared Out One. So uh, the musical director got behind the piano, Tim Weil, and he said, I'll play it for you, I know it. So I said, great, sang that, then they say, can you dance a little? So I said, great. I had on a red and green Christmas 1995 circa uh, Gap sweater, right? So it's heavy, you know, it's a cardigan sweater. And so um, before I start break dancing, cause I, I used to love break dancing and uh, backflips and everything, uh, I took off my sweater. Mind you, I have this penciled on goatee. I took off the sweater and I started break dancing for my life and then ending with a back handspring and a split. That was kind of like my thing, my go-to thing for auditions. Uh, and after the audition, they said, thanks, Rod. Um, then to Bernie said, you might want to go in the bathroom and, and look in the mirror. And I said, oh, okay. Still over my head. And I went into the bathroom and just smeared like just, just, just smeared on my face. And I thought, oh my God, I just totally blew that entire audition. And uh, two hours later, I got the job. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I never did that again, but, um, but, uh, but yeah, <laughs> so that was fun. At the time when, you know, Broadway had its first curtain call, did you have any idea what an American icon that would have that would be? Mm, great question. Did I have any idea what an American icon um, rent would be? Well, you know, it's funny. Maybe it was because I was so young. I was the youngest of the cast uh, at the time, and uh, I just kept saying, "This is going to be a hit. This is going to be in Broadway." But I think it was my youthful naivete, you know, and that because. That was my dream for so long. And then uh, Jonathan passed and everything, our world stopped. And then it was, oh, oh God. Okay, this isn't supposed to happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. This is supposed to be the dream or the way the dream is supposed to go. And oh, I don't know what this feeling is called grieving. You know, and we're still doing the show and everyone was so respectful and so, you know, because we all love Jonathan and it was more than the show. And so 
that question is such a hard question to answer because at at one at one hand I can say absolutely, you know, but then on the other hand, it ceased to become my dream anymore, and it was so much bigger than me because I was in a show where at that time, at 21 years old, I was so closeted. I was actually engaged to a woman who had a two-year-old, you know? Oh, wow. And it wasn't uh, my, my uh, biological child, but uh, I was caring for uh, Alicia in that way as her father. And it, I was, I knew I was gay for so long, but I was terrified of being there. I mean, it was the 90s and all you hear is if you're gay, you're going to die of AIDS or da 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 and, and just you know the the fear mongers. Yeah. So as a young black kid growing up, it was terrifying. Then you have church on the other hand, all of these things. And so it's like, who am I? And so that journey took a long time. But to go back to your question, um I just once Jonathan passed, to be perfectly honest with you, Derek, I lost sight of the full magnitude of what I was in because it was clouded by grief and uh, holding it up, you know, at 20, I then turned 20, um, 22, holding it up, pretending that everything's fine, you know, and all everyone could talk about was the show being so great. And, you know, of course, Jonathan, but I didn't, know how to uh, deal with trauma. I didn't know how to deal with grief uh, at that time in my life because I was still growing up, you know? And then all of this at one moment happening, it was so, it was an overload for me. And, uh, you know, speaking candidly, I didn't know how to deal with it. And so I kind of thought, oh, okay, so I guess I'll do my six months and then I'm going to my next job, <laughs> you know? And I didn't yeah. know why. It wasn't, I love the show. I love everyone. They're my family to this day. But I couldn't compartmentalize emotionally the depth and gravity and weight of what was really happening. And it was, the juxtaposition was just a lot for uh, this young man who still should have been in college. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And was thrust into this world and not just, oh my God, Rent was amazing and, and it was this amazing hit, but my friend died. And I don't know how to deal with this and, or cope with it. And, you know, I just got to New York, so I didn't really have a core group of, you know, uh, people who you could just go, ah. And I didn't want to impose my 22 year old self onto anyone. And yeah. that, you know, um, so I, I did a lot of hiding, really. I did a lot of uh, trying to spend years figuring out who the heck I was and my purpose in life. And uh, so it wasn't until, to get back to your question, it wasn't until 10 years later when Michael Greif, our director, uh, it was 2007 and uh, I was, up for King Lear at um, uh, Lincoln Center Theater. And I had sent an email 
And I knew that the someone, uh, D. Monroe was playing Benny at the time and I knew he was leaving. And I sent an email because I did not leave the show originally uh, with the with celebration. I actually left uh, unceremoniously uh, because I sprained my ankle in the show in 1997 and I never went back. Um, and all this, now you understand why, I guess. Um, yeah. It was, I was not in the right place to emotionally handle all of that. And so when I sprained my ankle, uh, jumping off in La Vie Boheme, I had these uh, heels on that were like this high. And uh, I did not go back because, and I didn't know about like, you know, ooh, I'm, not, I'm supposed to actually give notice. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, again, I wasn't thinking. And so uh, I didn't enter the world of mindfulness then. So for this man, my friend, for 10 years later to say, hey, yes, I, I said, I'll come in and audition, whatever, you know? And I was able to go in audition with everyone else who was auditioning for Benny. And behind the table were the original people, you know? Um, and they got to see my growth in those 10 years, not just as an artist, but as a human being and as a person. And, um, and I found out uh, later that evening that I got the role and that meant the world to me. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think I ever really said it out loud to people, but I am also someone who uh, has dealt with depression uh, since the age of four. And I'm also someone who has reclaimed their life after depression. And so who has come through uh, PTSD and all of that to be able to speak like this uh, in this way. Uh, so I had a lot of junk, <laughs> you know what I mean? And to do a show that I actually was afraid of because it was everything that I wasn't, I didn't know how to be. But everything you wanted to be. <laughs> exactly, everything I wanted to be, everything I, I was afraid to be, every, and it was about community and family. And don't you know, in those 10 years before uh, I came back to play Benny, I must have seen that show. I sat in the back of the sound booth and I think I've watched every cast that came through that theater. No, not many people will know that, but um, I was given permission to just quietly sit in the back and watch. And that was my part of my healing because I got to actually uh, say goodbye to my friend. And I actually got to say hello to me, uh, to a new beginning for me. I've had many new beginnings, but that really helped me understand the human condition. And it helped me understand, okay, life is about falling up, <laughs> you know, falling down and getting back up and no day but today. And I really mean that sincerely. And it took me to about six years ago when I began studying meditation and, uh, and chanting that, oh, that's what he meant, no day but today, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, so it moves me in a profound way, um, but I did not know, I guess, the answer to your question, um, and I wasn't ready for it. You know, to be honest with you, I don't think anyone was. No. You know, I mean, in 95, we were still kind of, you know, coming off that, you know, the AIDS pandemic and, you know, all the, the shit that comes along with it, you know, four years prior, um, you know, one of the world's greatest rock and rollers, Freddie Mercury died of it. And, wow. you know, there was a, there was so much of a stigma behind it. Oh my. Oh 
And I remember being a 14 year old kid. Yeah. And, you know, at the time when rent came out, I had heard about it through the grapevine, you know, I was living in Florida, you know, so they're, you know, not so much, they don't really care too much down there, but I had heard about the grapevine and then, um, you know, I hadn't seen it until the movie came out, you know, but I had, I had, I had heard about it for years and years and years. And then when I finally watched it, I was like, at that time, I was like, did they know? You know, did this, I mean, that original cast in 95, did they have any idea what they were doing? Because in all honesty, whether it was just a smidge or it was a crack, that door was kicked wide open by you. You were doing something on a whole other level. You know what I mean? Yeah, you were. Um, Watching and watching back, like watching clips back, sometimes I'll get nostalgic, you know, and uh, watching old clips from OBC, whew, it was like, wow, that was, that all came from a deep place from the heart. And, yeah. and I feel that way about Hamilton. I was just watching Hamilton today on Disney Plus and I was like, you know, I saw it twice now and then watching it again this third time, it, I cried a lot because it reminded me of Rent. And it reminded me of meaning, meaning the, everything came from here. Yeah. You know, watching it again. And, and it just, and I remember when I saw it for the first time on Broadway and I went backstage and, you know, I said hi to my friends and everyone. And then I saw Lynn and, and we just looked at each other. I couldn't say anything, you know, and we just knew, you know, um, and I just cried, you know, we just held each other. He held me and, you know, and I just said, this is brilliant. And because, I, the reason why I cried is because Jonathan never got that opportunity yeah. for his show to open and him being alive and to feel the impact that it made on so many people. And in that one moment, standing there with Lynn and watching this unfold, because I remember watching uh, In the Heights off Broadway, it's when I first met Lynn, and uh, you know, I just was like, whoa, this is amazing. I went with Raul Sparza, and I just, we both were like, whoa, this is brilliant. And then to see Hamilton, <laughs> all I could do was, it was like I was looking at Jonathan in a second. Yeah. And then seeing Lin-Manuel, you know, Miranda and his brilliance, and I just thought, wow, <laughs> you know, yeah, damn, I, I I can actually feel it, you know, just talking to you through the mm. you know computer right now. That that's deep. Um, and of course, watching all the actors and knowing, wow, you know, the 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 love and and just the care, the precision, and also how hard it is to do something like that eight times a week, you know, yeah. and I. Then I then I went home and I and I felt not sad I felt it was bittersweet because I really missed Jonathan you yeah. know and I missed the fact that man he wasn't he wasn't able to see this but I know he's felt it all these years so. yeah wow <laughs> that's 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 hard I'm gonna share all that but, yeah. yeah dude you you've got me in my feels um mm-hmm. so. You in '95, you started on rent. You were 21 years old. 
the, the play play were, out of rehearsal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. So you were that you said that play was everything that you weren't, but everything you wanted to be. Yeah. So when did you come out and what made you finally decide to come out? Oh, great question. When did I come out? When did I decide to um, finally come out? I, it's funny. I came out a lot. <laughs> I, was that guy. I was that guy who came out a lot um, because again, I was suffering from a huge lack of self-worth that was conditioned, you know, and until it wasn't. And so um, I, yes, I first came out to my rent cast and, uh, and I, and I kind of, it wasn't like I came out to one person and then uh, she told everyone and I was mortified, <laughs> you know, and I should have been like, yes, you know, and I, th I yeah. think it was, you know, hey, everybody, Rodney finally came out and I was mortified, but finally, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, that was my word. I'm thinking, oh, my God, everyone knew it, didn't tell, you know, and I just went back to like being picked on about being called gay for so long. And even though no one was picking on me, it was like, you know, you have that feeling. And then I got over it. <laughs> and then I came out to my girlfriend at the time, uh, Wancina, and that was very hard because it was on Valentine's Day. And it wasn't out of like cruelty and anything like that. It was because I just felt man, this is, I can't, this is hard. And it, I mean, we were in rehearsal, we were in previews actually with Rant and doing this show every single day. And I'm like, I, 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 I can't hurt this woman any longer. You know, I, I can't hurt myself, excuse me. And um, so I broke up with her, I came out and then I went back in the closet <laughs> um, uh, a little bit later. And then I came out to my dad uh, in 1990, uh, 1999, and this actually December on Christmas of 1998, I came out to my father when I was living in Los Angeles. And I was, uh, I remember it was on the phone. And the first thing he said to me, what are you doing to me? Wow. And, um, and, and I have to preface by saying, I love my father. My father passed, uh, two years ago and I've got to see his growth. And he got to see my growth before he died. So mm -hmm. I can freely share this because we have made, we made such great amends and just, and so I, I share this with love. I don't share it with animosity or anger because, you know, one of my wishes was, man, when he, I found out he had cancer was, oh gosh, okay. I, I have a lot of unresolved stuff here and I just need an apology. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, and that was in my heart. And um, the first time, you know, when I asked for it uh, before he died, uh, he didn't give me an apology. And I had already started doing my, my healing work. So uh, I just breathed and I thought, I went in not expecting anything, thankfully. And then before he died, um, I think it was two months before he died, he apologized. And wow. it, things just shifted, Derek. Everything shifted. And, you know, um, and then I made peace with my biological mother uh, internally. Like, you know, uh, and so then when he died, 
uh, we'll get into that, I'm sure. Uh, when he died, I actually gave, regained my voice from having spasmodic dysphonia, which we'll talk about it. Um, but so you, you're saying about coming out, man, it, it was a process. It, yeah. was, it was an ongoing process. And then I, I, cause I took it back in 1998 uh, after he said, what are you doing to me? Mm-hmm. And uh, you're you're hurting, you know. You now, mind you, we had a relationship where he was a single dad, and you know, he was dealing with a lot of everything at his job, and he unfortunately took it out on my brother and I, and my mother's side of the family. That was not good to be there either. So um, my grandparents and my aunts and uncle who, who were there uh, on my dad's side, they were my lifeblood. So, um, and still are. And, but I was afraid of my father uh, until I wasn't. So hence why I, had, I came out twice. And then with friends, you know, I was that person that would say I'm afraid, you know? Um, and until I felt horrible about it every single day. Yeah. And, and then I would like little by little say, Hey, I'm actually, yeah, nobody cared. Of course, you know, no one cared, um, because I was holding on to something that wasn't, um, you know, real. Yeah. And then I think, and then I was in a 10 year relationship that the, um, uh, amazing, amazing human being, but unfortunately he was closeted. So um, because of his job um, and I then was like, okay, I guess I had to be closeted too. You know, I want to like, but what happened was that it was stifling me, you know, emotionally in every way. And I believe I didn't really come out until I met my husband, Chris. Now, you know, that's like nine years now. And, that was a whole process because then I had to begin the process of learning to love myself. So, you know, you, you know, it, it's, it's a question of when did you come out? And I have to give this completely round about answer to you because yeah. it was a huge process. Um, and, you know, having to do auditions and, you know, be so afraid that I'd come off gay or like, okay, let me drop my voice or let me, you know, or does this make me look gay? Yeah, it was so, it was crippling internalized homophobia. Yeah. Um, that was happening until it just, I got great therapy nine years ago, I began and it just, I started reclaiming my life. And now I stand today, you know, going, yeah, I'm someone who came out a lot. <laughs> and, um, and I'm glad to now be out and here and present and here now in the world. Wow, that's awesome. I mean, that really is. So a similar story. So yeah. my uh, my daughter, who's 18, she came mm-hmm. out last uh, year uh, yes. when, she, when she was 17. But before that, she had always claimed that she was bi. I guess she was afraid of that stigma as well. Yeah, of course. Um, and she did the, um, like, I, I think she self-demolished her own relationships because she always picked the worst guys so i was like yeah she's i knew from the first time she ever brought home a boyfriend Mm. that that she was she was gay and she was just hiding it because she was picking the worst guys and i I love that you're a father like that oh yeah that 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 really special 
Yeah, she came. So she came to my room last year. I'm, I'll never forget this. It was over the summer, and she looked at me and my and her stepmom. Um, she looked at us and goes, "Guys, I just want to let you know that I'm gay." And I go, "Where have you been? It's been about ten years. I already knew this." <laughs> and she goes, "You knew?" And I said, "I've been telling you for years." And she goes, "Why didn't you tell me for real?" I thought she goes, "I thought you were being joking." I was like, "No, I was serious." Yeah, it's a complex thing, you know. It is. It is. It's it's a complex thing until it's not, but it always will be, I guess. In our yeah. until it's not, yep. you know. I mean, that we've made so many so much strides, but I know that there's there is so much farther we can go. Oh, absolutely, LGBTQIA um, plus allies, you know. And so, thank you for being an ally. Uh, it means a lot. <laughs> I mean, I take, I mean, I, and I say this as jokingly because I use the word pride with it, but yeah. I take a lot of pride in the fact that I am probably one of a few, a handful of straight men in the entire world with a gay pride tattoo on my arm. Woo! You know, I take a lot of pride yeah. in that fact. Thank you. For you that. know, and, and cause you know, again, so my daughter is pan, my best friend, my daughter's gay. My best friend is pan. Mm. I, I mean, I'm enthralled in that. I love the community, you know, and I will never not fight for it. Mm. Never not fight for it. Um, so that brings me to this question. Yes. So at the beginning of the month, um, last month, you know, uh -huh. the beginning of Pride Month, you know, uh, things were going okay, going okay, and then boom, all the Black Lives Matter stuff happened. And then during the midst of Black Lives Matter, in the midst of Pride Month, we get hit with a huge, you know, massive, you know. Supreme Court decision that says you can no longer get fired for being gay. They lumped it in with the civil rights movement, you know, stuff. And that was a huge thing. So as a, so I know how I felt about it. So as a gay black man, having to deal with not only black, you know, black lives matter, but then, you know, trying to celebrate your month, you know, for pride month and do, you know, all this great stuff that's going on. But at the same time, you're having to, you know, support your culture, which is on both sides. Mm. How did you feel about, you know, both, you know, that whole entire month kind of not being ripped away from, you know, pride, but at the same time, it was, it was, a, it was a weird kind of month. Cause you also had Corona, you know, going involved as well. So how did you feel last month and during that whole, yeah, I don't even know how to word it, but I hope you're understanding what I'm saying. I do understand. <laughs> yeah. We're um, posing that is I can't speak for anyone else, but for me, and I believe it's because of the work that I have done um, and, and the, the, the way that I was working uh, towards and not knowing that it would serve me in this time is I leaned in to my breath. I leaned in to compassion. I leaned in to God, radical love. And what I mean by that is I didn't shut myself out from everything that was happening. I was also in the throes of uh, developing, working on my play Just Press Save uh, at the time with uh, the Pride Plays Festival. So I had that to occupy, but, but that also was uh, a play that was kind of smack right in today. So I was able to kind of channel all of that artistically, but personally, I breathed and I realized that 
wow, the world is opening up. And this is the very first time that we have seen collectively so many people standing up for Black lives. And I believe that it is all-encompassing, meaning uh, Black lives, brown lives, uh, uh, every life, white life, every single life. But from 1619, you know, and to go even before that with the Native Americans, it's just, I, I call it the world is spinning, right? And we can either, and there's no right or wrong. Uh, there's no, I, I don't, I'm, I'm talking about in terms of how one deals with it, how one uh, moves through life. And I, I, I'm not saying my way is at all. This is just what works for me and my well being. Is I believe that we have been dealing with uh, systemic uh, inherited American trauma. Oh, yeah. And, and that's every single person, uh, post traumatic slave disorder, right? I mean, every single one of us. It's not, and so because we all, there is that there's the stain, right, or whatever. And I believe inequality. I believe that we can all do this together. We have to do this together. Um, I am someone who doesn't believe in separating. Um, I believe that it takes all of us. And I may be a minority uh, Black gay person who's saying this, but I believe that Black lives matter. Course, <laughs> uh, I believe that everyone's life matters. Correct. And for a very long time, Black people have been systemically not seen or seen in ways that, okay, we'll, we'll count the numbers there, you know? Um, but I also believe that the progress that has been made over these centuries is astounding. Yeah. And the progress that I believe we're going to continue to make as a people of human race, I believe is going to be amazing. We may not get there in our lifetimes, and you and I in our lifetime, we may not see it in our lifetime, but I'm gonna tell you, the young people who are watching right now, not this show, but watching the world. Correct. They are gonna take so much from this and say, ah, the cycle stops here. You know, it's funny that you said that because at the beginning of last month, um, on actually the day that the Supreme Court you know, ruling came out, I actually had, as a guest on the show, um, one of the directors of the National LGBTQ Task Force on the show. Mm -hmm. And um, she said the exact same thing. She goes, I don't think it's ever going to be equal in my lifetime, but I pray that in my kid's lifetime, we can see that. Yeah. So, you know, and I feel the same way. I'm hoping that my daughter, my 18 year old, the one that's, you know, still trying to figure her way through this whole, you know, stuff like that, yeah. you know, and that it, it, I hope that they get to see the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, I'm almost 40, you're 46. You know, I hope that in you know in our lifetime we could see that but i don't have faith in it 
but I hope yeah. my daughter gets to. And 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 I and I and, and I respect that, and I re, and I respect that, um, your 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 uh, voicing on that, you know. And and I, I was talking about races when I, we were talking about lives matter, and I want to make sure that uh, I, I say that uh, LGBTQIA lives matter. Oh, I'm talking. I was talking about both. Oh no, I know you were. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I actually, yeah, yeah. bring that up, and I was like, ooh, yeah. sure. You say that, Rodney. <laughs> you know, and uh, thanks. So thank you for that. For for that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, and now, I mean, honestly, if I was growing up now and seeing all of this representation, oh my God, I, I think so many people's lives growing up would have been different. Yeah. You know, and so it's for me, it's like, I have to be out. I have to be proud to yeah. be a gay man and proud. I mean, you know, it's my husband is white and it's like, and, and not like, oh, my husband's white. No, but that, you know, it's like, but that's a lot too, you know? And, you know, someone said, you guys make it look easy, but it's not, you know, but, I can't it, imagine it is. but, you know, but it's worth it. It's worth yeah. it. We both are learning about, different cultures and no one is less black or less white than any, you know what I mean? It's like, it, it, it's, and, and, and it's interesting. It, it's just, I guess I'm grateful that all of this is happening in our world today and I'm actually out and present for it yeah. and ready to create and ready to spread love and, and be in that lane and be in that lane. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love, like I said before, I would love to get to a point where in our lifetime, you know, that phrase, all lives matter, really means something. Today, it's taking away from, you know, the real core issues. You know, before we can have all lives matter, you know, LGBTQIA, you know, need to matter. Black lives need to matter. This needs to matter. You know, all these things that are still being. Asian lives. I mean, exactly. Exactly. There's so much. There's still. Exactly. You know. I want that to just, I want it to be over with, you know? I, so I can, I can't even imagine coming from, you know, from your point of view, living in both of those, those mm -hmm. circles, you know, what you have been feeling the last 30, 40 days, 35 days, whatever it's been. I have um, been feeling gay, gay, gay and black, black, black. Good. And, and also <laughs> inclusive, inclusive, inclusive. Uh, I, I, I've literally been, unashamed to feel all of those things and also i have a heart filled of love and i don't i can't it hasn't hardened you know what i mean as much as you know it, it you know for all rights and purposes right it it, yeah. know, it should but it hasn't and i'm grateful every single day that it hasn't and that i can be on programs like this and speak freely about it and not back away from it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You yeah. Know? And I appreciate you bringing it up. Yeah. Well, long distance hug, my brother. I mean, I'm serious. I mean, that you just, you've touched me in a way today. I just can't even, I can't even describe it. I, I knew this interview was going to be amazing, but you've taken it to another level. So, you know, we're only, we're 55 minutes in it feels like we've been talking for five minutes. Um, no, I can go all night. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> we haven't even talked about the movie yet. Um, Please, let's talk about this movie. Please. Yes. Um, no, I mean, you're just, you're an amazing man. We started with um, movie, which is great. <laughs> yeah, we kind of went in a little yeah. bit of a different direction. Honest, but it all kind of falls hand in hand, to be honest with it you. It does. Because 
the movie, the movie for me, when I first read the script, I latched on to the reincarnation element of it, the supernatural element of it, the chosen family element of it. And also this young person trying to figure out the world and with a sick mother and you have this chosen family of just colorful people, you know? And, and, and I say that, you know, uh, Matt Allen and, and Sean and, and our producers, you know, they could have easily, easily said, well, we don't, we can just cast this all white or just have like one, you know, I mean, you, and they, no, we have to have this a rainbow. And in and, and, and that, and I saw that when I read the script, actually, you know, I was like, oh, wow, this would be great if it was like a whole bunch of different colors in there, you know? Yeah. And, and this person, this young person is seeing life in technicolor, you know what I mean? And not just tunnel vision. And the film moved me. It really moved me. And when Frank Reagan, uh, one of the producers, he, he said, Rod, would you mind putting yourself on tape for this? Uh, I, I would, I would, you know, I, we, I really think you'd be great for this role. Him and his wife, Amy, uh, and I just, of course, was like, yes. I hadn't worked at that time uh, in, in a year and a half because of, I was diagnosed with a condition called spasmodic dysphonia uh, in 2017. I was in Come From Away on Broadway, and uh, I was with the show for three years, proud. And then uh, my voice started going and the latter part of 2016. And I was terrified. And I thought, okay, three years with this amazing show and now, oh gosh, I don't know if I, and it was just going and going. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get my uh, results, my diagnosis, four times I got diagnosis, but I didn't receive that until we were on Broadway. Every, pretty much, uh, I was at the doctors at least once a week for five months. Oh, wow. I was sticking tubes up my nose and my throat, and I didn't talk about it. Um, you know, a dear, dear friend of mine early on when we were still in tech said something that stayed with me, and I'm so grateful because I was almost on a path of like, you know, oh my God, is my voice okay? You know, checking in, you know, and and becoming that person and who's just kind of, I need you to tell me everything's all right. And one of my dearest friends said to me, uh, Rod, I think you should just walk in there every single day, open your mouth and whatever comes out, comes out and, and just keep it there. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do that. And I, and I sat and meditated on that. And from that, I said, okay, I'm going to do that. And I was hurting, hurting, hurting inside and had panic attacks on stage. It was literally, I was living the actor's nightmare. And, but I'm going to tell you, those producers, our producers, our director, our choreographer, every our cast, everyone literally held my hand with compassion and gratitude and love. And my life changed uh, completely. It was already on this path, but because of those acts of kindness, I was able to stand. And you know, it, it's like everyone, and everyone did it in their own way. You know what I mean? Even if it was just not saying anything at all, you know, but they made it easy for me to stand until I literally couldn't sing anymore. And the doctor said, you will never 
uh, speak clearly again. You will never uh, sing again. And uh, because that just doesn't, the, the, the turnaround for that, uh, for people reclaiming their voice back, uh, you know, is not, not that much. Unless you have surgery and all of these. Celine Dion, you know, she had surgery. Um, um, I, I, mean, I hope I'm not misquoting. Um, Shania Twain had uh, spasmodic dysphonia. I'm sorry, not Celine Dion. Uh, Shania Twain. And she had surgery. So, you know, and I, I was reading up on all of these people and I'm thinking, and I just gave up on it, Derek, actually. I left the show, I went back home and we were living in Portland at the time. I was going on hikes every day in healing and I was on a pause. <laughs> I mean, you know how the world is on a pause now? You know what I mean? I took my pause three years ago and I could barely get out of the bed. But what it did, it gave me the opportunity to actually look back on my life it gave me that opportunity, that once in a lifetime kind of thing. You know what I mean? And I got to actually really heal, <laughs> really heal Yeah. in that time. And my dad died, but that morning, my speaking voice came back on that morning. Wow. And 12 days later, and I was able to sing at his funeral. I don't know how that happened. And then uh, on the 28th, March 28th, on my birthday of that year, I could sing again. Literally, I woke up that day. I called about five friends or texting. I just I sang a little bit. I was like, I was just a mess, crying. So yeah, when I watch the playbacks of things, I am beaming because I was told that I would never be able to do this again. And then I, you know, my agents, God bless them, they stayed with me even when I was like, guys, I don't want to go out anymore. This is 2017 in the fall. I said I can barely get through these scenes, and they said, no problem, we'll be here. I mean, you know, so we all talk about the cruelties of our world and all these things, but, you know, I can say all the things that I've come through in my life and like, you know, uh, the good outweighs the bad yeah. in my personal life. So it, it's, I have to only be grateful. So it's like, not only was I able to get my voice back, but it was stronger. And I reclaimed my whole life because I was able to actually just do a look back and go, wow, how did I treat people? How did I treat myself? And things just started lifting from me. You know, I went back to a place that, you know, I, I was taken to when I was uh, five and my brother as well. And, you know, horrible things happened to us there. And, I was able to heal from that just by my dad giving me the address. I, I, it was because I thought maybe this is my dream. And I said, I would like to know the name of the, the, the address of where we were taken. And this was two months before he died. He said, I knew you were going to say that. And uh, I didn't know any, all he gave me was the name of the street. That's it. And I literally had to go again in my car. And I hadn't been in that, that area of Philadelphia since that time, probably. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just allowed my inner self to find it. And I found the house. And of course it was boarded up and all of these things. And the other homes were beautiful. <laughs> and I sat there and I said, there's not an amount of uh, 
sage that will have me walk onto that porch, you know? And so you, it's interesting. I say all of this to say that life can get better. And this movie reminded me so much of, wow, life does get better. And when you surround yourself with chosen family and chosen family, they come in and out of your life, right? But when you have that core of people in your life that throughout your life, who help guide you on the way, it's all you can do is be grateful because I I think coming from uh, what I came from, it's my life could not be where it's at now. And so every single day I'm like, wow, I must've done something good, (laughs) you know? And so, yeah, so I, I can't, I can't spend my days in stress or in anger um, or anger energy, right? I am trying to understand and trying to um, not lose myself in the world. Wow. Yeah, because I mean, hearing you tell that story kind of makes me think of the movie with the whole reincarnation thing and, you know, kind of finding your way back from, uh, you know, from tragedy you know and i can definitely go see why when you were reading that script you were like okay yeah i gotta be a part of this movie. yeah and then meeting and working with uh janelle you know who plays gina and like just i mean she was in every scene of the movie and just just watching her and like getting to know her as friends we exchanged crystals actually she uh gave me a moonstone and I gave her a crystal clear quartz. You know, like everyone, we all just clicked. And I could tell that we all been through some things. <laughs> you know, like this yeah. cast of, of people. And I think that's how we all just kind of clicked. And the movie took on this other thing, you know. And I watched it uh, the other day, like about, I think two weeks ago. And I was moved. You know, it's a beautiful family film. It's a beautiful, heartwarming film. You know, and it wasn't a film that I, you know, if I wasn't in it, that I go, oh, I want to look at this on the DVD, you know? Um, yeah. But I'm so glad that I'm a part of it and that I'm able to be a part of something that I hope can be something good in someone's life for that hour and 40 minutes, you know? Yeah. Well, I can tell you this much. Regardless of, now this is just me speaking. Yeah. Um, regardless of whether or not that movie touches anybody's life mm. ever, you know what I'm saying? Mm. There's one person's life that I know it did touch, mm. and that and that is Gianna. Oh, yes. So when I was talking to her last night, I was telling her that you were gonna be on today. Yeah, that 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 girl's face <sighs> lit up. She is so elated by you. She was so honored to be in your presence. I mean, because I'm like, like you, you were on School of Rock. You did Broadway. You know, how would it feel to be have this guy as your father? She goes, let me tell you what, that man is amazing. And she was just ecstatic talking about you. So, you know, if, if it doesn't touch anybody else's life, it touched hers just by you being in her presence. And you changed her for the better. And that, and I'm telling you what, that is a that is someone to watch out for. Oh Gianna is going to grow up to be a 
nasty figure oh. and oh my god yes whether it's acting whether it's broadway or whether it's music whatever yeah he's you, gonna be a triple threat she oh, is yeah. oh yeah and i am so glad to get there right at the forefront of it all therefore when she does have mega stardom like i talked to her first <laughs> uh, you would also love uh tommy reagan as well yeah the two of them their chemistry together like it was just awesome you know, but Gianna, you know, she has that, you know, je ne sais quoi, you know, uh, and they both do, you know, and, and it's like uh, watching her on screen. I'm like, oh, wow, you're just lighting up. And so I, I think that whatever she decides to do in her life, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be. It really will be. Yeah. Yeah. She's like I said, she's going to grow up to be an amazing woman. And I cannot wait to see her evolution. Mm. Very much so. Um, so, you know, we're still in the middle of COVID. Everything is kind of opening up and then closing back down and then opening up and then closing back down. Uh, what do you have in the works? Anything coming up soon other than this? Uh, uh, like planned? You know, the movie's coming out July 7th, Apple TV and uh, Amazon Prime uh, July 7th. And I am, you know, auditioning and which I'm very happy about, um, uh, you know, and hopefully the television Industry will come back, and that'll be great. Um, and uh, sooner than later. Uh, and I am writing. Um, I'm working on uh, a couple of things, and I'm very excited about them. <laughs> One is uh, called Flame Broil, and it's uh, on race and culture in America. And mm -hmm. uh, we're gonna do. I'm gonna redo it as uh, the plan is to redo it with 38 actors of every race. And oh, wow. uh, so it's, it's a vignette play, 16 vignettes. And uh, it, it's, you know, it's funny. It's also touching, uh, but it's also, um, you know, flame broiled. <laughs> but, um, but, but I try to talk about race and culture in a humorous way, but in a, uh, you know, very like, let's get right to it. Yeah. And, you know, but race and culture. And I, the play actually has, Two black people, two white people, two women, two women, two men. But for the streaming uh, idea, it would be thirty-eight actors um, and, and these sixteen uh, vignettes. And uh, I hope that it manifests, and I hope that it happens. So that's my like passion project right now. That'd be awesome. Yeah. You, like I said, you are you are an you. Uh, I can't even I can't even speak. It's been an honor to speak to you. Um, so let me ask you this one final question. Yes. If, uh, if, uh, you were presented one thing and he, this person came up to you and said, Rod, I'm going to either give you the greatest movie career ever or the greatest Broadway career ever, but you can only choose one for the rest of your life. Which path would you go down? Ha, um, well, First, I, 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 I can't really, I don't know if I can do eight times a week singing, uh, but I can do eight times a week acting on a stage. Um, <laughs> I love Broadway, uh, very much so. Um, I would say, no, I got to have all of it. Um, you wouldn't choose. Uh, no, I wouldn't choose because creating is in my soul. It's been in my, it's in my soul and veins for, since I can remember. And I don't want to regulate myself to just one thing. You know, it, 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 it's, um, I, 
hope that I get to do many more films. And also, um, I, I am an actor who, uh, I like to be a chameleon. Um, I, I, I'm an actor where if you see me in one thing, you go, oh, well, that's the same person. I think I'll be that person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because I, I really love uh, slipping into who that person that I'm portraying is and, and really living in that, uh, whether it's this family movie or whether it's an intense film, you know what I mean? Or, yeah. or a balls out comedy. Um, I, I love being able to have that versatility for all of that and theater, theater is my life. And, and I hope that I can uh, really continue down the path of writing for theater while, uh, you know, continuing this uh, new pursuit of uh, a consistent television career with film as well. Um, I'm kind of like, it's about time, I'm 46 and I'm ready now. Um, I wasn't ready before. I, and, and unlike some, you know, yes, I've been overlooked all these things, right? We all have, yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. But for me, it is, I wasn't ready. I've had so many opportunities, you know? But when I look back on it, I'm like, I wasn't ready internally. And now I am. And I say that with all the grace and gratitude and love in my heart. And I hope that I'm able to have those opportunities to um, for people, not just to see my work or see my talent, but um, I, wanna, I wanna help people through my work. You know, whether it's my writing work or, or just uh, playing roles that people kind of go, ooh, that, that, that role hit me. You know, that person made me crack up or whatever. Ooh, I, I don't know. I just want to be able to do it all. And uh, at 46, uh, I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> For the first time in my life, I can actually say that. Yeah. Wow. Let me tell you what, for somebody that is, you know, almost 40 years old, still trying to make it in the business, you know, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a stand-up comedian. I do this and I also do voiceover acting and I'm still, you know, still fighting the grind and still doing it all. But you know what? I mean, to you are an inspiration to me and to thousands. And I can only say from the bottom of my heart, thank you for being you. And you, you just keep drudging on because sir, you have, and have had an amazing career, and I can only imagine where it's going to go from here. I really appreciate you, Derek. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And I cannot wait to see the movie on Tuesday. Um, yeah. And, you know, I'm afraid Flame Boy ever gets off the ground and everything, everything goes right with that. I can't wait to have you on back on the show to have talk about. And I want to see you right. elated about that one, too. Yeah, that, that, that. Yeah, that's going to be a really fun one. You know, the the, act, the first production premiered last year. And, um, but this, you know, what I'm thinking in my head in, in terms of creating it, um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see where it can go and to see how loud it can get. Let's hope it gets very loud. <laughs> yeah, because I think peace can be loud as fuck. <laughs> um, it, it just can. And it I can. Have, I mean, you had that R rating, so I, I said, oh, I got to throw an F-bomb in there. Oh, oh we are completely <laughs> R fucking rated. I don't care what the hell you say. <laughs> um, oh, absolutely. We're uncensored. I don't care. Um, but no, uh, 
I cannot wait to see where it goes. And um, I can't wait to see what you do next. Cause again, I'm, I am just, yeah, I'm starstruck by you, man. I, and I appreciate you very, very much. And let's do this again. And thank you again. Absolutely. It means so much. <laughs> it means Absolutely. So much. Yeah. So we will definitely talk again soon, sir. You have a wonderful rest of your day. Tell your husband I said hi. And, will, um, and just keep trudging on, man. Yes, Mighty Oak, Apple TV, Amazon Prime, July 7th, y'all. Please. Thank Absolutely. You. Well, thank you again. You have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you, Derek. Enjoy your weekend. You too now. Bye. Bye. Holy shit. What an amazing man. Just an amazing man. All right. Um, all right. When we come back from break, we got a couple things we're going to talk about. Um, some controversy going on with uh, fucking Cards Against Humanity um, and some other bullshit on the world going on. And then... Um, Looks like I've already got a fucking winner because nobody felt like fucking joining the stream tonight, which is fine. You know, I can watch it tomorrow and be like, oh, I got a one. Um, and all the podcast listeners are like, damn, I should have joined. Um, but anyway, it's all good. Uh, we'll be back in a second. Guys, I'm here to tell you all about the brand new revolutionary product for manscaping today. The Lawnmower 3.0, a product that will not nick your sack and make sure that your manhood stays protected the entire time you are shaving. So do yourself a favor and go to manscaped.com and use promo code SHUTUPCAMERON for 20% off the Perfect Package 3.0, which not only includes the Lawnmower 3.0, but it also includes ball toner, which helps prevent ingrown hairs. You get ball deodorant, which helps prevent chafing and man stank. You also get this awesome, sleek, stylish leather carrying case. Offer $99.99, and when you use that promo code, you get 20% off. Also, just released the Weed Whacker, the perfect nose and ear hair trimmer. So again, go to manscaped.com, use promo code SHUTUPCAMERON for 20% off. Trust me, your balls will thank you. Guys, ever wonder how I get this manly beard looking so good? It's all because of Viking Revolution. And at Viking Revolution, not only can you get some great beard bombs, but you can also get some great beard oils, as well as some awesome quick shower pads, which helps prevent you stanking up after the gym. Also, these great wet wipes, which help prevent, you know, stanky after you know, going doo-doo. And also some pomades and some other great products all at Viking Revolution. So do yourself a favor, go to dcproductions.com forward slash sponsors, click on the banner, and get yourself some of these great products. Viking Revolution. Join the revolution. All right, and we are back. All right, so there has been some shit going on with Cards Against Humanity. Um... Let's let me pull this up, and you guys have got to hear this. This stuff is, if you haven't heard it already, it's freaking crazy. Um, so, um, how to know you're not insane, and how Cards Against Humanity staff fired a staff writer was fired. So, um, I found this on Medium, and it kind of went viral um, really quick. Um, you know, so this guy was working for Cards Against Humanity part-time. Um, and I guess 
as a writer, he was uh, doing some stuff with other writers, and they were, you know, putting their stuff together. And um, he's a black man, and somebody who started, you know, decided to start getting racial with it, um, adding, you know, the N word and some other things to some of their stuff. Um, and he spoke up about it and got fired for it. Um, and I don't know why, but I guess, you know, it, this is making the new media rounds pretty big now. And, uh, you know, yeah, I mean the whole article, I'll go ahead and uh, link it in the uh, description of the uh, YouTube video if you guys want to watch it or I'll go ahead and link it in Facebook or um or Instagram, but it's a it's an interesting read. And I guess the whole time after the whole thing happened, they ended up putting him into an, a psychiatric mental ward. Um because of of what happened. So he got um you know, he was suicidal. You know, he was fired from his job for speaking up about racially, you know, um, you know, significant stuff that was going on inside of, you know, the Cards Against Humanity offices. Um, you know, people trying to write these joke cards, you know, using, using, you know, very, very hateful words and terms and stuff like that. And, that, you know, it goes back to what I was talking about the other day. I mean, it's this is this is getting out of hand. And I say that knowing that it's already out of hand. Um, but the thing about it is, you know, whether it's, you know, the people that are getting pissed off about the Confederates, the Federacy stuff being erased. I've already did that. My rant on that. Um, if you want to listen to that rant, you can go back to Monday. Um, but I might do it again just because I'm pissed off. Um, but you know, the, uh, then this happens and then there's just so much. When are we going to grow the fuck up as a country? You know, we've been around as a country now for 250 years and we still act like fucking teenage fucking bitches. You know, really? You know, they want to talk about the Confederate flag being erased from history. I guess what, dumbass? The Confederate flag that you fly, that you say is, you know, the sign of the Confederacy was their battle flag. It wasn't even the actual flag of the Confederacy, number one. You know, really? And erasing your history. So erasing your history from your ancestors who had slaves. That's. So what, what, what exactly are we racing? You know, that, that didn't go away. You still know that. The textbooks still know that. Us human beings that live in this country still know that. So what exactly are we still racing? No, we're just taking down the fucking statues and the plaques and the pictures that remind us and are racially insensitive. You know, let's go ahead and use this other metaphor. Think about it this way. So we talk about, you know, the religious people talk about how we got to keep, you know, the devil in the forefront to make sure that we never, ever, we, we always remember not to follow him and, you know, so on and so forth. Do you ever walk into a fucking church and see the goddamn picture of a devil, the flag of the devil, a statue of the devil 
anywhere in any church. I'm waiting. Comments are open. Exactly. How is that any different? Now, I'm not a religious guy. We all know this. But my point is fucking valid. You want to go ahead and keep religion, you know, remembering, you know, the devil and the things that have done wrong. But yet they don't have plaques or anything else, you know, making sure that you remember it. No. It's, it is ridiculous and it's insensitive and it's just ridiculous. I mean, I, I can't say ridiculous enough. So I'm going to change it to redonkulous because that's what this is. It's redonkulous. Um, that we still have the, the ignorance of Americans thinking that by taking down this or that or this or that, that we're changing history. You can't change the past. Even if we went back in time to try to erase it, actually, that wouldn't happen either. Because that past now becomes our future. And we can't change the future. A little bit of an endgame trivia there for you. <laughs> but the point is, get over it. We have brothers and sisters in this country that are hurting. And you want to sit there and talk about making sure that we don't erase your heritage? Based on fucking hate, based on, you know, slavery, based on, you know, whatever else. No, not going to happen. What we have in this country is too precious to just, you know, let go of. And if we continue the path that we're going, it's gonna, it's gonna implode. And, you know, and what happened to Germany? Could happen to us. What happened to Russia could happen to us. You know, what happened to Great Britain with, uh, you know, Ireland and, uh, you know, the UK could happen to us. Do we really want to go down these paths? Have we not learned from our ancestors' mistakes? Are we still going to continue to make the same ones? I pray and hope that we have learned. I can't even, I don't, I, my brain, I can't even wrap my brain around this shit. You know, I was on Twitter Monday morning, Tuesday morning. And there's a radio host in uh, Orlando. I'm not going to name her name or name what station she's with. Um, but she is a, a gay woman. And uh, they were talking about, you know, whatever they were talking about on the air on this channel on that day. And this guy on Twitter goes on there and starts trolling her, talking about how I don't. Um, I shouldn't be forced to listen to, you know, you talk about being gay or forced to listen to you, you know, talk about lesbianism or sexuality in any which way, shape or form. How dare you subject my children to that and, 
You force motherfucker. Did anyone tell you to turn the dial to that fucking station? No. Did anyone hold a fucking gun to your head and say, bitch, you better fucking listen to this lesbian stuff. First of all, who the fuck in their right mind is going to complain about lesbianism? <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, joking aside, um, nobody fucking makes you do anything. If you want to bitch about it, change the fucking channel. Get serious. Listen to a podcast. Listen to Amazon Music. Do whatever the fuck you want to do. But don't bitch at somebody doing their job the right way. And then you sitting there controlling them, basically saying, you're forcing me to listen to this. Does your fucking radio broken to one station and one station only? Is this how I met your mother and we're driving somewhere and, you know, I would walk 5,000 miles is the only thing that I can play over and over and over again in your fucking car? If that's the fucking case, there's a volume button, motherfucker. Just saying. <sighs> That was fun. Derek likes going on rants. Derek likes talking and thought himself in the third person. Derek's funny. <laughs> I don't know if y'all can see this, but it's actually pretty funny. My, uh, I turned my vape up today and I just kind of stopped at this number randomly and 66.6 watts. <laughs> and I thought that was very, uh, fitting for this conversation. Um, I have no fucking clue. Um, it's been an interesting week. Overall, a very, 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 very interesting week. Um, started the week with a country artist um, in Kimberly Dawn who was a phenomenal human being. Absolutely great to talk to. Absolutely great to listen to play live. Um, listen to a little bit of country music. It was cool. Then Tuesday, we met Chef Sean. You know, him and I had become cool. You know, we exchanged numbers, and we're talking now. He's fucking amazing human being. Um, then Wednesday, we got introduced to a new up-and-coming artist that has been, you know, behind the scenes, working with other groups and doing this and doing that, is finally releasing his own record at 40, you know, the age of 40 years old in John Doe. Yesterday... We had Gianna Harris on, you know, one of the stars, obviously, of what we were talking about earlier with the Mighty Oak um, movie, which comes out Tuesday on Apple Plus and on Amazon Prime. Then today, a fucking Broadway legend, guys, and Rodney um, Hicks. It is a pleasure and an honor to be able to come on here and do this show every day. Um... You know, my, well, granted, my Twitch audience isn't near anywhere near where I want it to be. It's still getting better. Um, my podcast is still growing. I think our, um, our episode with uh, Chef Sean actually reached 8,000 hits. So that was actually really, really cool to see that. Um, so I want to say thank him for promoting it on his end to make sure that we got those extra hits. Um so things are going great on my end. So granted, I can, I only see two people watching on Twitch right now. You know, I got my little dashboard up right now, you know. Um, and that's cool. I appreciate you guys. 
because hopefully in a month from now, we'll, that number will turn to 100, and then we'll go to 1,000, and from there, who knows? I just know that I'm not going to go anywhere. Do you know why? Because, A, I have too much to say, and I love fucking hearing myself talk, so I can just fucking do this all the time. I'll do this for nobody. No fucking listeners on the podcast and no fucking listeners on Twitch. I don't give a shit, because I love bitching. Um, and I love what I do, but the fact, (laughs) all right, for, for those of you who are not watching live and listening on this podcast tomorrow or whenever you're listening, um, one of my, my favorite Twitch followers Velvet Acid, I won't tell her her real name, just um, put on my comments, I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. What did you say? (laughs) It cracks me up. Um, uh, I almost pissed myself. And pissing yourself in skinny jeans is not a good idea. Just letting you know. Don't do it. Um, I don't know why I just felt like saying that. Uh, Now you made me lose my train of thought. Um, uh, so either way, um, I just looked at the, my phone and somebody by the name of Firecrotch1697 follows me. So whoever you are, Firecrotch1697, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, I love some of these fucking Twitch usernames. Um this is fucking hilarious, but um, so next week, next week is an up and coming week. Um, so we've got a couple cool up and comers coming on the show. So on Monday, um, a new rapper, I, I can't, I don't, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce his, um, his uh, rap name, but it's J S U N and Jason. So I'm, I'm assuming Jason, um, you know, up and coming with, he's getting ready to release his first album. So we got him coming on, on t- Monday and then another up and coming, uh, actress and, um, singer on Tuesday. And then Wednesday, I have an up and coming director who is putting out a very, 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 controversial movie um about trump and i don't know how i feel about it that was my old man pill alarm um i don't know how i feel about it being that i'm not a trump guy but I'm not going to let that cloud my judgment, you know, as a member of the media, I'm not going to do that. Um, I'm going to put my hat on, put my beanie on, whatever I decide to wear that day. Um, maybe wear an I sign kill shirt. Maybe wear a, sh- you know, uh, shut up Cameron shirt. I mean, not shut up Cameron. Hey, that's not my show anymore. Maybe wear a second podcast shirt. Who knows? 
But either way, I'm going to go in there and I'm not going to judge this guy and I'm going to be professional as possible. And if you are interested in listening to a serious debate on this matter, um, definitely tune in on Wednesday. Um, and I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and tell you guys the name of the movie. Um, it's called Trump, the chosen one. Um, the, the, uh, the trailer is on YouTube now and let's just say it is a fictional movie. that I hope doesn't come true. <laughs> um, take a look on it. I mean, I, yeah, like I said, it's the name of the movie is called Trump, the chosen one. Um, I believe the movie comes out in October. So we'll, we'll talk to him on Wednesday. His name is Rolfredo Torres. Um, he's one of the actors in the movie. He's also the director of the movie. Um, so that should be an interesting um, yeah. And then Thursday and Friday are open as of right now. Um, and if they are open, um, we'll do some nerd talks. Um, and I'll let you guys know that over the weekend into Monday. Um, yeah. Yeah. I see. Yeah, we'll probably, if um, nobody's on Thursday, Friday, what we'll probably do is we will, yeah, we'll go into some uh, Marvel Universe stuff. And we'll start with uh, Iron Man. I like that idea. So we'll go from there. Um, but, you know, I guess people have are enjoying their, you know, their July 3rd. You know, maybe they're out. That's fine. Maybe they'll watch tomorrow. That's fine, too. But. Hey, I've only got two watchers right now and only one person have commented. So I will make sure that you get this velvet. So you got the Manscaped uh, Perfect Package 3.0. Uh, maybe I picked a really bad day to do this. <laughs> um, but oh well. Um, I'll do another give giveaway here soon um, as more sponsors start rolling in. Um, so I will make sure you get your, your prize. To everybody else, thank you very much. We will be back Monday with or without Nicole. I don't know. Um, I know she's really, really busy uh, with her new album. Uh, a lot of vocal work going on and um, some other stuff she's got going on. So she'll be in and out um, as she can. Um, and then maybe, maybe an old guest. I mean, maybe an old host might pop in from time to time. I don't know. Maybe her name is Cat. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Um, but again, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. As of Monday, no more Facebook, Twitch only. Um, and uh, we're going to start growing this audience to be as big as the podcast audience. So everyone who's listening right now, please make sure you like, comment, subscribe, share. Um, and let everybody know how awesome I fucking am and how beautiful this guy is. Look how beautiful I am. I mean, wouldn't you want to stare at a television screen or a computer screen for an hour and a half a night just staring at this beautiful face all the time? 
Let me just look at it. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I got the nice dad bod kicking. I got the fucking beautiful beard. You know, I'm a good looking motherfucker. I, you know, I want to stare at me for hours at a time. I don't know about y'all. I'm, I'm not sure what the cat means. Um, velvet, but, um, I'm going to go ahead and take it as a compliment because I know how pretty this face is. I mean, just, just, just look at it for y'all that are listening to the podcast on the way to work Monday or over the weekend. Just, just go to my Instagram page at DC at, you know, at suck it podcast. You'll see how gorgeous this guy is. And apparently how conceited I am too. Cause that's just hilarious. Um, but anyway, um, I will be back Monday, possibly with Nicole, possibly without. That's fine. I think I figured out how to do this on my own Um, because I'm just that fucking talented. But anyway, I love you guys. I will see you all on Monday. Same Twitch time, same Twitch channel. No more Facebook, which actually saves me a lot of time. Thank God. Um, And uh, we will see you back on Monday with Jason. Until then. Stay heavy, stay healthy, stay out of trouble. Peace.